Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message titled, A Real Mom is in the House. Let's join in now. Well, we're starting a new series. It runs Mother's Day through Father's Day, and it's called Fun House. Anybody have a fun house at home? Yeah, I, I know with four boys, Amy and I can safely say that every day at our house, it's a fun house, right? It's a literal circus, okay? I'll tell you that. And uh, there's no better way to, to kick off a series on the family, uh, doing God's version of a family, than to kick it off and celebrate and encourage and challenge moms. Isn't that the best thing we could possibly do, is to lift them up first? So that's what we're going to do today. And to, and to do that, I just want to ask a, a few questions, and we're going to celebrate a few types of moms. Now, if I miss your type, we'll, we'll catch you at the end, and I may not have picked them all, but um, I would like to celebrate newborn moms. If you're either about to have a baby, or you just had a baby, and you're kind of like, it's your first kid, you know, you're wide-eyed, you're staying up all night long, can, w- would you just stand for a second? We don't often ask people to stand, but this is a day of honor for you. Would you stand if that's you? We just want to celebrate you. <laughs> Miriam. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's celebrate. If you, if you have had kids out of the house for more than even a year, if, if you just had kids out of the house and you've been a, a mom who, have, who has raised yours and you're kind of almost in the empty nest, I know in this day and age we hang around until like, like we're 30, right, before we leave the house. So, but if, if that's you, would you just stand? We want to honor you. If you have kind of an empty nest, so to speak. Um, here's another category. Maybe, maybe there, you know, Mother's Day is one of those things where you can flip a coin. For some people, it's a lot of joy, but for other people, it brings a little bit of pain. If you um, are someone who either anticipates, you could even be uh, single in the room, or uh, maybe you've had some pain in, in the past. If you either, uh, you know, you're not a mom, but you desire to be a mom, can we celebrate you? Will you just stand in the room? Let's just celebrate those people. Yeah, that's right. Hey, she, Ashley wants to be a mom. Paul, you see that? She wants to be a mom. Well, everybody leave the Joneses. Uh, you know, don't call them tonight, all right? The, uh, hey, if you have, if you're a mom of multiple kids, multiple kids, would you stand up? We want to honor you. Let's celebrate the multiple kid moms. That's right. And, uh, and then here's what I want to do, because I might have missed somebody, and I don't want to miss anybody, so if I did, you know, you can come and, like, you know, kill me later after service or something with a donut in your mouth or whatever's happening. But let's just celebrate all the moms. Moms, would you stand up? We want to preach. Guys, let's give it up for them. Come on. Come on, guys. Let's hear a roar. Yeah, that's it. Moms, we love you. We're grateful for you. And this message is for you. Go ahead. You may be seated. Well, a real mom is in the house today, and I am here to tell you, if you're a mom at all, you're a real mom, and I know it's the hardest job on the planet. Why do I know that? Because I'm a dad, and I know that my job is not nearly as hard as Amy's job. I just see it. It's very obvious every day, but we want to encourage you and challenge you today, real moms, and hopefully uh, husbands and dads of future husbands, future wives, future moms, future dads, that sort of thing, uh, even the kids in the room. I hope today that you grab on to some principles in God's word that will help 
you truly move from a circus-type fun house to a house that's fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, family life really can be fun. It really can be something you can celebrate, but it has to be done God's way. And so today, we will read Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 22. And here's what happened. You know, real mom, being a real mom is difficult because there are many difficult decisions that happen to moms all along the way. Um, I remember our first difficult decision uh, was uh, whether or not to trust the doctors as our firstborn uh, came out of the womb. And uh, le- later we kind of found out, uh, a few minutes later, that he wasn't breathing and that they were trying to beat his chest to make sure that he was living. And he almost didn't make it. And we had to trust uh, the doctors and kind of make a call. Hey, what are we going to do? I mean, this is, I don't know what to do. And, and some decisions are difficult like that. Some decisions are easier. But here in Scripture today, there is a lady, Moses' mom, the, the character Moses, right? Like the Moses. His mom, you may or may not know, had a very difficult decision as a newborn baby with Moses on what to do. And so let's read about this decision and this stand-up mom here in Scripture. Here's what it says in verse 22 of chapter 1. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now, let's just stop so you understand what's happening. It'll be real quick. Egypt is in captivity. I mean, Israel is in captivity in Egypt, right? And here Pharaoh is starting to say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that this race of people, the Hebrew race, I'm going to make sure that they don't go very far, that they start to shrink. I want to make sure they don't have a lot of muscle. And so he issues a decree that if the Hebrews have babies, only the daughters can live. Isn't that a crazy thing, huh? So enter the story of Moses in chapter 2. And the man of the house of Levi, that means he's a priest, went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So you have a priestly type of marriage happening here uh, back in the Old Testament. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was, he, right, was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Put yourself in shoes for a second. You have a baby boy, and you come to the realization Pharaoh says, this baby has to die. What are you doing? But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Whew. 
What a decision. What does a real mom do? Check out. This is your first point, and you can write it down on your program. A real mom is always willing to trust their children to God. Trust their children to God. And dads, this goes for you too. Let me ask you a question. Could you trust your children to God the way Moses' mom and dad trusted their son to God? Can, can you just think about this for a second? I could not imagine putting my youngest, Briggs, right, in a basket that may or may not float, setting it by the river, because if I make it, you know there might be a hole in it, right? I'm just not that kind. Don't ask me to do carpentry and all that stuff. I'm not good. I can't imagine putting him on the river and then just walking away. Do you know what this demonstrates? This demonstrates a supreme belief that her child Moses was God's first. That's your next blank. Here's what you have to know. Your child belongs to the Lord first. Now, that's not how we operate, is it? We worry, we obsess, we've created a culture in America of obsession over children. And can I tell you that this has led to the darkest days of the family, putting the child first instead of God first and letting the child be the Lord's. What does it look like when the child is the Lord's? It looks like this. You put them in a river and you're able to walk away and say, God, even though it doesn't seem like any good can come out of this, I trust you and I'm going to give this kid to you. Well, that's, that's what it looked like for Moses, but today it, it looks like this. You know, many times there's divorce, isn't there, in the family, and, and divorce has ravaged the family, and kids fight against other kids. Or there, you know, maybe uh, today 50%, they estimate, of kids are born to a single mom, and, and maybe the, the relationship between the mom and the dad are, are hurt or estranged, maybe there will never be a relationship, and, and it causes this great decay in the family, and so what ends up happening is that as the kid gets older, the kid says, Haha, I'm first. You know how you can appease me? I realize this is messed up. I, I want some money. You want to know what else I want? And they'll tell you a big laundry list of things they want. And if you're a kid in the room, and this is hitting where you live, or if you're a family in the room, and this is going, oh, can I tell you? that your family first belongs to the Lord. And sometimes we lack peace because we're afraid just to let it go. And we want to go in and fix situations that are impossible. You know, here, Moses' mom could have tried to hide Moses, right? But probably the guards would have found out eventually. It could have been a year later. It could have been five years later. It could have been ten years later. But they would have found out. They were looking for kids. But what did... What did she do? She said, you know what? I'm going to hold my baby with an open hand. And, and there's such a difference between catering to kids and then letting them be the Lord's and trusting God with the results. Some of us in the room are worrying so much about the state of our children that we've forgotten how big and how powerful and how strong our God really is. So how do you put the Lord first? You ready for this? This is important. Commit to a strong marriage. Now, I'm speculating a little bit here, but I believe that Moses' mom could walk away from the river and leave the baby there because she had her husband to go back to first. One of the best gifts you can give your children, moms, dads, is the gift of a strong marriage. You see, 
Most of us get it backwards. We think if we get our kids right, our marriage will be okay. And it's the exact opposite. If we get our marriages right, if we get them in good standing, then our kids will will have to bend to the curve. You see, it'll put this positive pressure on them. And you know what? It may take five years. It may take 10 years. It may take 20. You know, I was a student pastor before, uh, well, a long time ago, actually way before we planted Elevation Church. And for 10 years, I saw this happen over and over and over and over and over. over. Happen all the time. Parents would, would go and give their kids everything they want, hoping that if they're happy, they would treat mom better or they would treat dad better. And the net result was that they would go far away. And then the parents would fight, and they would fight the kid, and they would fight each other. And, and they would carry this on instead of committing to a strong marriage and trusting God with the results long down the road. You see, if you're still married 30 years from now, you know where your kids are going to be headed back to? They're going to be headed back to your house. You know what, what, what morals they're going to be headed back to? They're going to be headed back to your morals. Now, it might be slow. It might be agonizing. It might be painful. But here's what I know. God provides the windows of opportunity. What did Moses' mom get to do after she set Moses in the river? She got to nurse him. She even got to be paid to nurse Moses. Isn't that incredible how God provided? But we're afraid to to give away things that are precious to us. You know, I play guitar. As a matter of fact, today I took a big leap of faith and I let Andy play my guitar, right? And uh, this isn't just any guitar, all right? What this is is a gift from my dad uh, about 15, 16 years ago. This guitar is unbelievable. It's cost uh, $3,000 to buy today. My dad got it for $1,200. And uh, for some reason, there's some, something wrong in my head, and I let Andy play it. But, um, you know, here's what I decided. Here's what I decided. Right when I first got the guitar, I thought, wow, this is a way better guitar than I deserve. And so I committed that it would be God's guitar and not mine. And I had some friends who would look at me cross-eyed as a youth pastor as I handed my guitar over to middle school boys, not only to play, but sometimes I would say, you know what, you could take it home. I just have two rules. When you're playing, play it. And when you're not, put it back in the case, all right? That's all I ask. And you could take it home, and people would think, Dave, how could you, how could you give this guitar? I mean, does it doesn't have sentimental value. Isn't it expensive? You can't replace it? No, I can't replace it. Why would you give it? Because it's God's guitar, not mine. And that's what God is asking to us to do with our children, to let them know they belong to the Lord first, and you hold them with an open hand, trusting him as you guide them, as you lead the way. And so that's the first thing that a real mom and a real family is up to, is trusting your children to God. Here's the second thing, biblically navigating the challenges of motherhood. Mothers, can I get an amen that there are some challenges to motherhood? I mean, am I, am I on? I mean, am I there spot on? And not the least of which is the husband, right? We haven't got to the kids, right? Well, today, to help us biblically navigate the challenges of motherhood, much like uh, Moses' mom had to do, had to navigate all the things, the political pressure, the family pressure. She was a priest, uh, and, and to a priest family. She had some spiritual pressure with this kid. She had all those types of things. And today, to help us through that, because I will admit I am as far away from an expert as it gets to navigating the biblical challenges of motherhood. I've invited three ladies. Can we welcome these ladies up today uh, to come help us? Cindy Nordstog, Amy Carroll, 
and Cheryl Hewitt, uh, this side. Uh, and feel free just to grab a seat on the steps. A warm elevation welcome. And so here's what they're going to help us do. Here's your first blank. You can write it down as they're getting set. The first thing we need to do to navigate the challenges, ladies, write this down. Even guys, write this down. There's going to be stuff in here that are going to help you. Take notes because you are actually getting to pick a lady's brain and halfway understand it. Do you know what I'm saying? You get it? This is our chance. And, and so, uh, yeah, it, maybe there's guys want to walk out, so I don't want to understand, right? I don't know. Well, number one is become a spiritual developer. Become a spiritual developer of your children and of your family. And so I want to ask Amy to tackle this, and I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, would you give us at first, because we're not perfect, and I know uh, everybody, this is my wife and my, uh, yeah, this is my wife and the mother of our four boys, and so I'm excited. But even though we're a pastor's family, I'm here to tell you, we're not perfect. And you can, can you just say something? We're not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You spend any time in our house and you, you can tell um, our kids are real kids. Um, The biggest challenge for us, I mean, there's multiple ones, but the biggest challenge is distractions. Um, We love Jesus and we love sports. And so um, it's a constant struggle. I mean, Dave is so proud of his boys, you know, and and their athletic ability. And, uh, you know, so we love to do sports. And here in Montana, uh, you have to be all in um, if they're going to play any type of um, competitive sport. And so we struggle with that. We struggle with running here and there. And so it's very real in in our family. Would you give us the top three actions that families in the room can take to develop their kids and family spiritually. And everybody, I encourage you to put, bring out your pen and paper for these ladies because they have some good things to say. What are the top three actions that we can take? Yeah, and again, and I don't want to come off like we have it perfect, but this is, these are things that we try to do in our family. And the first one is model. Model everything. Um, model your quiet time. If you want, the goal in, in our life is for our boys to be passionate followers of Christ long term. Okay, Um, so that they can be uh, solid spiritual leaders in their families. And so we want to model the things that we want to see in their life. So we are going to model our quiet time. You know, parents, do you do your kids see you with your Bible open? reading your Bible? Do your kids see you praying? You know, I took a picture one time because Dave was um, very often we try to get into the position of prayer, like on our knees. You don't have to do that. It doesn't make you a better Christian. But one time Dave was you know, at the couch praying, and Dax came alongside and said, Dad, are you praying? And he's like, yeah, buddy, come on. And he just pulls them alongside. So as you're doing it, bring them along with you. Teach them. And you know what? You might say, I'm not a spiritual leader. Well, guess what? You're probably more spiritual than your kids. So as you're growing in your faith, bring your kids along. So that's the first thing. Model everything. Model prayer. Model, you know, if you're writing your tithe check, Bring your kids along. Show them, hey, I'm, I'm giving to, to God's work. And show them. You know, if you're serving, and uh, we're having some kids going up into youth ministry, have them come serve alongside you. Model and bring them along. The second thing would, would to bring the family together and do family devotions. You know, I had this modeled for me. Uh, my parents were missionaries. We lived in Africa when I was a little kid. And we didn't have the distractions as much as what we do here. 
And um, so we didn't have TV, really. Um, and so I remember walking through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings with our family. My dad would just read a couple verses. And I'm not saying that you need to preach at them. They don't want that. They want dialogue, discussion. So even if you're reading one verse, maybe five. Now, parents, we have some awesome tools to help you. And the first thing, if your kid is in elementary um, school, we in BLAST pass out every week these God time cards. And I want to tell you, we're not perfect. Our kids don't do it every week. They're not I, spiritual I think giants. we do it like twice every other week on that card. Uh, yes, if. But if you... Other times, <laughs> other things we do, but I'm yes, saying that but particular this, part. But we, we do encourage other things. But if you are going, hey, how do I even start, you know? Um, these God time cards, it's just four days, and it might take you five minutes. So if you're sitting at a meal, for us, it's breakfast, because we know we can get everybody to the table, and we're all there. You know, sports, you might be running around in the evenings or whatnot. But breakfast, most of the time, wake up a half hour early and get your kids to the table. Walk through, open the Bible, and just talk with them about these things. So we have this as a great tool. So we have modeling. We have family devotions. Family devotions. really quickly the third thing. And the third one is just be authentic. You know, when you mess up, because you will, because I do. Um, The other day, you know, I lost my temper. And that's really easy for me, not so much for Dave, but um, I just get easily frustrated. And I had to go back in and apologize to my kids. And when you show them that you're trying to grow and you're humbling yourself, uh, it may, I think it makes a difference. Now, we don't, our kids aren't grown yet. You know, I can't say these are, you know, but I think that the things that we see in the Bible and the verse I want to sh- point out which is yeah, go, ahead, go ahead and give us a verse. This, it close. goes with this. Here's the verse. Um, Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And that's what we want our kids to do, right? These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. That's personal responsibility. The church can't do it all. You as parents lead out. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, and for us, that's driving in your car. (laughs) Um, And when you lie down, that's at bedtime, pray with them, have them pray, encourage them, just a sentence prayer, do it. And when you get up in the morning, all the time, you're constantly talking to your kids about the Lord. One other tool that we have, and Miriam, do you have the slide um, to put up? There's the... The curriculum we use is called Orange. We want to partner with the family. Uh, if yellow represents the light of Christ, that's the church, and red is the blood of the heartbeat of the family, the curriculum is Orange. We want to partner with you. They have this great app. If you have a smartphone, get it out. In your, um, in your program today, there's a QR code. You can scan a, it and scan get it. Scan it. It's a QR code. Yep. Um, it costs us a couple bucks, but it goes along with what your kids are learning, your preschool students, your elementary students. It goes along with what we're learning in church on Sundays, and then you can use that. Oh, I don't know what to do. Well, guess what? They have bedtime stories. They have podcasts for you to listen to in the car. They have different meal-type discussions. They so even have awesome. easygoing music when you want to argue. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's, that's, those are just some simple steps, I think, that if you just start taking steps and that spiritual responsibility starts in the home. Awesome. Can we thank Amy for sharing about that today? Uh, next, I want to give it up to, uh, give it over to Cheryl. And here's your next point. Uh, this is what Moses' mom did. But we want to practically bring it home today. She's stuck with selflessness. She's stuck with selflessness. 
Uh, moms, isn't, don't you feel like every day demands a new chunk of you just leaves? You know, where it's like, gee, does the selflessness ever end? When do I get to do something for me? And so I've asked Cheryl, who uh, I, I don't know if you've known this, but I've known the Hewitts, or really they've known me, uh, for about 25, 30 years, somewhere in there. And uh, from my vantage point, I've seen a lady here who has uh, executed this with near perfection. I mean, really has been selfless, very, very supportive. And, uh, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this. So, uh, Cheryl, how can a mom balance all of her responsibilities, wife, kids, hobbies, career, house, upkeep, uh, church, etc., and remain joyful? How does that happen? I'm tired now. Just listen to that list. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think the only way that you can truly experience joy, real joy, uh, is what you'd start out on this message, and that is for us to have our priorities right. And our priorities have to begin with God first, and then our husband, then our children, then the church and work and all those things that come behind. When we get those out of balance, when we get more time with the kids or with the husband and the things are out of whack, our life becomes chaotic. And scripture tells us in Matthew that the first thing we are to seek is the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added. And if you look at the list of things, it's all the things that mamas worry about. Uh, but those will be taken care of. Uh, what, are the, uh, what would you say to the mom who feels boxed in by the demands of life? You know, where just there's too much, pull too many different directions. How, how do they become a biblical mom, a real mom in God's eyes? Well, first of all, you're not the only one that feels boxed in. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen just once in your lifetime. It happens over and over again that we feel like we're in this, this box. Uh, but there are uh, there's seasons in our life. There's, uh, a scripture tells us there's going to be time for everything, but there is a time and a season when those things are to happen. Sometimes we rush them. Sometimes we want them to be now. Or why can't I get out of this phase? Why won't that child walk? Why won't they do this and that? And you know what? When they walk, then you want them to quit walking because they're into everything. But uh, we have to change our perspective. That box, when I first hear that question, I think about a, a box being something to hold me in that I want out of. You know, I don't want to be in this box. I want to do something else, which is a me perspective. It's, I'm, I'm focusing on me. And the only way I know to get out of that box is to focus on God and say, God, how, how can I be the best wife? How can I be the best mom? Uh, how can I serve others in the church and my community and bring glory to you? And, and that's the only way I can change the perspective of that box. And I know when we first planted our church uh, years ago, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was with my kids, able to do whatever I wanted to do with them and, and keep the home. Uh, but it came when we planted our church, I had to go to work. And that became a box. I didn't want to go to work. I wanted to help with the church. I wanted to be at home with my kids. And, uh, but for that season, that's what God had called me to do. Now, he blessed me in that time that I was working, even though I you know, still wanting to do other things. But one of the ways he blessed me was after a period of time, the leadership in the church came to, to Fred and said, hey, we, we see that Cheryl needs to be with you serving and be at home with the kids. What do we need to do? And so over time, they worked that out so that uh, financially I was able to come home. Um, I, this is a little bit putting you on the spot here. But I, I want to ask, uh, and it may take her about 10 seconds because truly on the spot, but it, the question just popped on my head. Uh-oh. 
Yeah, she can kill me later for it. But what, uh, you know, moms are selfless. And that's just like the definition of motherhood. What do you need from dad? Uh, just, just in a couple words, what do you need from dad to, to help fill in some of the places that get poured out? Uh, first thing I would say is, is, is have your back. Yeah. That they're just there for you. Um, that they be willing to share and communicate that it ain't going so good or I really need your help here. Uh, when Fred and I were in that time, we had to share responsibility. He had to do things he wasn't used to having to do uh, because I was not home. So uh, I would say, you know, that the husband can pray for and support his wife in that way, pray with them, physically pray with them, uh, or just let them know I've been praying for you today during this time. Uh, that's, I think, the greatest thing. I'm going to just end here. Would you give us a scripture that you best think defines a mom's role in God's eyes? Can I have two? You can have two. <laughs> Will we give her two, everybody? Yeah, let's I tried give her to two. do one, but I picked two. Uh, the first one is 2 Timothy 1.5, and I'm not going to quote it to you. You're probably familiar with it, but it's where it talks about a grandmother and a mother and a son. And the grandmother, uh, the writer talks about, I see in your grandmother uh, a sincere faith. I see it in your mom, and now I see it in you. And I think the great responsibility for me as a mom is to make sure that I pass to my children a sincere faith. And so that was my first one. My second one and is uh, Proverbs 1, 7 through 9, and it's where uh, the son is instructed to listen to your father's instructions. You need to do that and to not forsake your mother's teaching. And in that teaching there, it talks about obedience, to teaching the child to be obedient, to be disciplined, uh, to nurture your child, uh, to nudge them sometimes in the right direction. And I think, again, there's no greater calling for a parent here, parent, mom and dad, to, to pass that, that wisdom and those information onto your children so that, in turn, uh, the response there, it says, if you do that, the child will be victorious. Uh, that's what we all want for our children is to be victorious. And if we do those things and if they don't forsake that, they can be victorious. Awesome. Can we uh, appreciate Cheryl for sharing on the subject of selflessness? And, if, and uh, we have one final subject. And uh, Cindy, uh, you may or may not know Chris and Cindy Nordstog, but they have been with us an awful long while. And we have a fun story about how they came to Elevation Church because I think uh, our setup team was breaking the law and getting into school early uh, in the earliest days. And they happened to be there. And Chris thought he's going to have to beat someone up or something. Uh, and, and he didn't beat me up, thankfully. And he said, hey, what are you doing? Well, we're starting a church. And they came. And uh, they stuck. And we're really grateful for their family. But uh, there's one last area that we have to navigate. And that is the, the area of trouble and loss. Uh, it is tough to trust God in trouble and loss. And uh, Cindy, uh, I know you have some personal story, but you also work with a lot of people at Levy uh, who deal with trouble and loss in the area of motherhood. And uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. And my first question for you is, how have you dealt with loss personally, and how has your faith in Christ helped you deal with it? Um, sure, you give me the really hard questions. I hope I don't cry. Um, well, I think for myself, I've had great loss. When I was 30 years old, my husband and I were expecting our first child, and um, uh, Kellyanne was born, she was still born at nine, nine months. She was full, full term. And um, obviously, it's a huge loss. And I was not walking with Jesus. And 
that made it even more difficult because I tried everything secular to heal my pain, to um, come to terms with my loss, and I always hit the, the same point. It was just a dead end. And it was really through um, God's grace, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking through me and letting me heal my pain that I just was able to accept Jesus in my heart and really feel um, just great joy from celebrating that I was a mother. Even though I did not have this beautiful daughter here on earth, I was truly a mother. Thank you for sharing that. I know that those are difficult things to share, but uh, hopefully you're encouraged by them, those of you in the room who have dealt with that. Um, what would you say to the person who has either given up a baby or had an abortion and deals with personal pain? Well, like you said, I, I work at Levee, and I work. Um, I don't work a lot directly with women who've who really ha- had to make some very difficult choices, and um, and I've I've worked through that and tried to figure out how do I have, you know, a common ground with these women, and um, I finally came to a spot where the night before my husband and I lost our baby, I ha- I said to him, I feel like there's something wrong, and. Um, I didn't make the choice to go to the hospital, and you never know what would happen. And the next day, I did wake up, and she was gone. And it was through that pain and that regret and that just sorrow of of maybe not making the right choice, and and I don't know, God only knows, um, that I really, for me, felt like that's probably something I can identify with women that are making hard choices and adoption or... Um, having an abortion, the pain that comes out of that can be unbearable, where you don't forgive yourself, that you're not redeemed. You feel like you don't, you're don't, you undeserving, and that is such a lie of the enemy. And it's through redemption that, that these women can be, and myself included, I put myself there, once I felt um, just redeemed in that, and just, you know, I don't have the answers, and, and through God's grace that... Um, that, that's healed. great, though, because you just said a key phrase that I heard, and you said, don't believe the lie. No, absolute lie, and, and that is, and I and, and I that's think, the hope, everybody. Yep. That's the hope right yep. there, the hope yes. of Jesus, so who you are in Jesus. Are you excited about who you are in Jesus? Uh, I, yeah, we can, we can praise the Lord for that. Uh, well, I want to ask you one, one last question, if you can answer uh, short here. Uh, what role should a husband play in supporting a mom who struggles with a past pain like that? That's a, that's a hard question, I know, but if you can answer in just a minute or less, that'd yeah. be great. Yep. Um, actually, if you can, kind of what Cheryl was saying, make sure and pray for, pray with your wife. Um, understand that you can't fix it. We actually do mm-hmm. want you to fix it because it is so painful, but it's, it's an area when you have personal struggles as a mom, um, you know, only through Jesus Christ can that truly be fixed and healed. But you can be patient. You can understand that um, it's it's a process and that there's not a time limit on your healing and um, just to, to love you wherever you are and to meet you and to help you not stay isolated. I really, one thing I feel in a loss like this, you can put yourself in isolation and you can only hear from the enemy, which are total lies. Mm-hmm. And so I think the encouragement that you can get from a husband to, to come out of that is so, so important. That's awesome, Cindy. Hey, haven't they done a great job? Can we give them a great big elevation? Thank you. Thank you, ladies.
Well, hey, if you have your Bible, flip it over to Exodus 14 as we close. Are you all still with me? Are you good? Hey, that was good stuff right there. I hope that you were listening in all ears because all of that was pure family gold right there. Well, here's the third way that the real mom is in the house and the real family and the real dad uh, show up to do God's version of life and uh, together as a husband, wife, and kids. We have to be patient with the results. That's hard to do, isn't it? Uh, Because we feel oftentimes like we've done a lot of work for nothing. On the marriage, we've done a lot of work for nothing with the kids. And and it's like, wow, I I put all this effort, but it didn't quite pan out. And here's two things I want you to know. God is in the business of using broken people. Can I get an amen? Isn't that a good thing? Uh, He can use you. He can use me. He can even use the kid that's struggling. He can use the family that's broken. God is in that kind of business. And here's the next thing I want you to know, and the last thing. The toughest days are worth your best effort and attention. Many times we want to draw back and and say, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. But really, the toughest moments of your family life, listen, Dad, listen, Dad, are worth your effort and attention to work on it even when you can't fix it. Because here's what ends up happening. Over time, when you trust God with your children, when you biblically navigate all the challenges that life throws you, listen to what happens to Moses over 40 years later. Exodus 14, verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, he's an adult at this point, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. So Moses, with the whole nation of Israel right there with him or behind him, stretched out his hand over the sea, and when morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of Egypt, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses." In between that day where Moses' mom stuck him in the river and the day where he stood and raised his hand and saw the Red Sea parted, he was a murderer, he was a fugitive, he was estranged from his family, he had all these issues that went on. And yet, there was a day where the Lord, the Lord was faithful with the results. If we'll just be the godly men and women that he has called us to be. If we'll just trust him, if we'll really put the work in, the results we can trust to the Lord. I'd ask you to bow your head right now as we come to a time of response. I want to ask you a few questions. Are you a dad Are you a dad 
who needs to step up and lead your family. Today, would you make the decision today to do that? Are you in here in the room today, and maybe you're a kid or another family member, husband, wife, who's been resisting the godly counsel of the people God's been putting in your life. You've been warring against your family. Will today be the day that you let peace rule and reign, the peace of Jesus Christ? Let me ask, is there anyone in the room who on this Mother's Day needs to put a new stake in the ground and have reconciliation occur in their family where there's forgiveness, where there's healing where there truly can be a fun house. Today, this is a time between you and God that you can give to him and make not just make those decisions, but leave and live them out. And the final question today I want to ask is maybe today you've come on a Mother's Day and you're here with your family and they've been telling you about this guy named Jesus who is God who died on the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And they've been telling you and telling you and telling you and telling you. And today's day, you thought, wow, I I need Jesus. I need him to come and save me and to change my life. If today's that day, then here's what you can do. We'd ask that you take that connection card that was in your program as the band sings, and check it off and let us know. And it even has a prayer on the back, that sample prayer you can pray to God saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it. But today I want to receive you into my life and have that relationship so I can be the person that you made me to be. Any other prayer requests or anything you have to say on the connection card, this is the time to do it. You spend time with God as the band sings. listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.